You're listening to Uncanny Robot. Machine written stories. Read by human. Read by human. Read by human. The banging on my front door woke me around midnight. I grabbed my nucleotic phaser, tiptoed downstairs, and made my way to the living room. A low growling sound filled the room, giving me goosebumps. The banging continued. It must be an emergency, I thought. Were the mushy blooms back? Did they need my help again? Or was it something more nefarious? Maybe uber dangerous? Okay then, I'm in. I'm nothing if not a risk taker. I opened the door. I didn't have time to see who or what was outside. Because suddenly there were four breath-stealing blue eyes floating and staring at me from the darkness of my hallway. The mushy blooms. Wow, how'd you find my apartment? They'd been gone all day. Hey, sweet cabbage. Good to see you again. Escaped again, the slippery bastards. Were you guys following me? So when did they slither back in? And why did they seem all riled up? You know what? You little guys look hungry. It must have happened after dinner when I went to bed early to avoid the witching hour. You want me to bring something out for you? A shiver ran down my spine as the eyes glowed with an eerie blue luminescence. Do you like leftover takeout? After all this time, they still I creep me out, though, with their hideously deformed then, fuzzy, feral faces and those slappy Medusa-like tentacles. And I'll turn this hall light on for you while you wait. They seemed confused by the sudden light, but turned instantly aggressive when they saw it was me. One of the mushy blooms lunged and bit my finger. I shouted in surprise and dropped my phaser. The other three flew at me, their furry bodies vibrating as they growled menacingly. They walloped me with their tentacles. My plan to befriend them had foiled again. A terrible sense of panic boiled up inside me. They'd never been this worked up before. What did it mean? I scrambled back and grabbed my phaser, but it was too late. Now they were all on top of me. They nipped and smacked windmill style all over my body while I struggled fiercely to fend them off. I managed to throw one of them against the wall and then pin the other, but it wasn't easy. A third one jumped on top of my head. Just as I got another one under control by pile-driving it into the floor, that's when I felt sharp teeth sinking into my neck. As my body began to numb, I felt them latch onto my feet and start dragging me towards the basement stairs. I managed to hide my nucleotic phaser in my pants before an enormous furry hand covered my mouth from behind, muffling my shrieks. A deep and raspy voice echoed inside my head. With a final burst of strength, I swung my fists, landing two blows against my abductor's revolting skull. Just when I thought I would break free, a large scaly tail wrapped around my ankles like two steel cables. It dragged me thunk, thunk, thunk down to the basement. My terrified screams didn't even make it halfway up the stairs. I began thrashing and fish-flopping with more intensity, making more noise than I ever would in my own bedroom. 
We hit the basement floor. I attempted one final outburst when a loud click sounded in my head. A starlight night vision feature came on under my eyelids and flooded the room in pink wobbly light. It was followed by total quiet and I knew a message was coming through. Hey pal. It was asteroid Annie, dripping swamp goo and smiling down at me. But I could tell it wasn't her real form because her outline had shimmering rainbow highlights visible along the seams. I suppose you want me to save you again, huh? I snorted a puff of smoke out my nose holes. Give me credit for trying, I replied. Well, you're gonna have to hang on a little longer. I'm indisposed at the moment. It sounded like she was watching some space opera war movie in 3D. Her voice started breaking up like an old radio receiver. That's when I heard something heavy shift in the room close to me. Don't go anywhere. I'll try to make it in time. Were the last words I heard before a rush of warm breath released directly into my face. The smell of rotten fish assaulted my senses and my vision swam. Finally, my eyes rolled upward and stayed there. I was fully awake now. I realized my hands and feet were secured with zip ties and my body slumped to the floor. The air felt like thick syrup on my skin. A turquoise glow from bioluminescent fungus illuminated the walls and floors. Wait, this wasn't my basement. Where was I? As my head lolled from side to side trying to focus, the blurry outline of an abundantly woolly human-sized torso appeared before me. This was no ordinary mushy bloom. It was none other than Hut Popa, the infamous Big Daddy himself. The most disconcerting aspect of his appearance, however, was his face. He had the appearance of just having eaten a really rotten fish and couldn't get the stink off right away. His skin was like melted butter mixed with seaweed. One nostril was twice as big as the other. He had three triangular yellow teeth, overgrown beyond anything considered normal. And worst of all, was above his greasy membrane eyeballs, was the thick stubby line of psycho monobrow. Hut Popa examined my lower extremities with interest. Then he settled his stare directly into my unblinking eyes. All around his ominous giggling head, the mini, rounder mushy beam hovered. Slowly, I reached my zip-tied hands for the confidently hidden nucleotic phaser. I withdrew it in a flash and pointed it directly at stink-faced Daddy Mushybloom's chest. Ha! I squeezed the trigger. Nothing happened. Apparently, the firing pin hadn't quite fallen into place yet. I pulled the trigger again. There was no difference except that the trigger had gotten a little sticky and I felt a woozy vibration running up and down my hand. Wait, I said. You didn't think I was going to kill you with this thing, did you? The last thing you wanted to do was piss off a mushy bloom. Hot Popa roared, knocking my nucleotic phaser from my hand and crushing it with his tail. He then pulled a weapon from behind his back. You know the one that looks like an eight ball of elastic compressed gerbil guts that explodes on impact? It's a hellacious thing, codenamed the Tizzle Blast. He extended it, chain clinking, and aimed it directly at my forehead. 
I thought this might be a good time to use my Jedi mind skills. Oh, please. Don't kill me with that thing. Hut Popa grinned insanely, monobrow waggling. I want nothing to do with this situation. So just hand over the weapon and we'll be friends, okay? The head voice returned. Who's gonna pay for your hospital bills now? Huh? Huh? I felt the enormity of the weapon as it charged up, making a hizzy-hizzy sound that set my brain thrumming. Here comes the headache. No doubt what would happen next. The mini mushy bloom all gathered closer, fur twitching, singing some kind of freaky song, egging him on. This was it. I was preparing myself for the end when suddenly there was a whoosh of air and a loud thud as Hut Popa's head connected with the wall. An unholy squeal sliced through my brain. There was a moment of dizzying silence. Then the smell of magic that comes from freshly cracked wood, campfires and burning leaves. Hey pal, it's the real me. It was Asteroid Annie in the flesh. No rainbow highlights, just pony-length blue hair, her usual raggedy jumpsuit with dozens upon dozens of pockets full of various magical supplies, ranging from comically-sized wrenches to packets of chips and tubes of jelly babies. She'd been splashed all over with mud. Well, it's about time. I looked at my watch. It was getting late. I was starting to panic. Where have you been? Fighting crime with the best of them, she said. She reached down and pulled me up by my zip-tied hands. I caught the delightful scent of sugar cookies. Suddenly, the lights in the world around me seemed clearer somehow. A strange warmth permeated my entire being, as if thousands of tiny little sparks were dancing on my skin. Hot Popo was down, and the mushy blooms had retreated into a corner to work on their plan B. And my headache was gone. Maybe today would be a good day after all. What kind of mess have you gotten yourself into this time? Annie had that weird calm look she gets whenever she has to clean one of us up. I wasn't sure if that was a rhetorical question or not. Anyway, I think we need to get the hell out of here. She pulled a pair of scissors from a thigh pocket and cut my ties. Next, she carefully scooped up the tizzle blast. But she frowned when she noticed the chain attached it to a metal link embedded in Hup Popa's tail. Do you know how outrageously dangerous this thing is? Uh, very? I said, hoping that was the right answer. It's a remnant of the Berserker War and needs to be destroyed properly. But not today. She gave the chain a little tug, but it wasn't coming off. Hut Pupa groaned and something inside his body made a rattling noise that filled the room. Asteroid Annie set the Tizzle Blast back on the ground grabbed my hand, and together we sprinted to the metal steps that led out of the basement. There, her hover car was waiting. We hopped in, and with the mushy bloom racing after us, and Hut Popa thundering mad getting to his feet, Annie smashed the go button and we shot off. A little while later, we arrived at her space lab, cleverly hidden in the middle of a swamp. No one ever expects an inner-universal superhero like Asteroid Annie to be living in an abandoned dump like this. It was the perfect hiding place. We jumped out of the vehicle and into the ooze and sloshed our way to the lab. 
So how's your friend of Bloom campaign coming along? That was the last time. I've learned the hard way that I can't trust them. We'll see. We climbed ashore and she opened the door to a mysterious hideaway. I love this place. The ceiling swirled with nova lights and canary yellow and radiation green. All about the room, in no particular order, were long tables strewn with all kinds of medical and scientific Whoa, equipment. When did you get all these cool arcade games? Old-timey screensavers bounced on outdated monitors next to bowls of pipettes and droppers and tubing. You've got Dozens of oversized beakers bubbled and smoked with brightly You've colored liquids asteroids. as Bunsen burners underneath flamed vigorously. Oh my God, you have Defender! That was my favorite! Everything here had a stern sense of purpose, and that was exciting. Asteroid Annie went to tap on one of the yellowing keyboards, squinting at the screen while I examined a strange x-ray machine in the corner. It resembled the ones used back in the late 20th century. I remembered as a student we all lined up in the basement of the school nurse's station. Every hour we'd have our chests, knees, and heads tapped for tumors. Ah, the good old days. Annie had moved to the other side of the room and was rummaging through a file cabinet, cursing under her breath. An antique phone rang nearby, and she answered it. Hello? Meanwhile, I wandered over to the futon bed with the hippie quilt. Oh, Mom, yes, yes, I was just about to call you. It had been designed purely and simply to remind you how safe life could be if things worked out according to plan. We did, we went out, yes, it was very nice. Sleeping here was like snuggling down into a nest constructed entirely of cotton candy spun through honey with icing sugar sprinkled on top. I just don't see myself settling down with an accountant. This was the bed Annie slept in when we first met, back when I helped her recover from an overdose of toxic gases. But that's another story. Right next to the bed was a large window that looked out into the moonlit swamp. There stood skeletal trees, and in the water itself, sleepy marsh turtles floated on their backs, exposing their soft underbellies for maximum moon glow. Hey there. What could you be daydreaming about? Annie asked, coming up behind me. She was carrying a large jar filled with shiny objects resembling some sort of tiny seeds. Nothing, I said. I didn't like to lie. I changed the subject. What are those? There's something I've been working on, she said and handed the jar to me. Careful now. Don't drop them. At least not now. What are you talking about? She put her head on my shoulder and leaned in close to whisper. You're gonna find out later. Just then, a blood-chilling cry filled the room. About 50 softball-sized mushy bloom appeared all around us, bobbing in the air. All at once, they began to dart around menacingly. They found us! Asteroid Annie's voice took on an emotional quality. Hey, listen... Out there in the field. If anything happens to me, if things get real bad, remember three things. The mushy blooms were zipping this way and that. They began taking pot shots at our heads with their wildly swinging tentacles. What three things? I said, ducking. Number one, shake jar. Number two, open jar. And number three, Remember, sometimes the only way to change the world is to be kind to the babies. What are you, what are you talking about? 
An ominous sound like a bow being drawn across a cello echoed throughout the room. That's when I saw him standing in the doorway. With his long matted fur, pointed teeth and sci-fi colored eyes, that brow, Hut Popa. Then I heard his voice in my head again. Your friend Asteroid is the real threat. Don't listen to anything she has to say. Now, give me that weapon. Let's be friends. He raised one tentacle like a lance. Boy, was he dumb. This isn't a weapon, it's a jar of seeds. One of the mini mushy bloom came shooting toward me. It was the finger biter. Asteroid Annie created a distraction by jumping up and dangling upside down from the edge of a table for a moment. Then while still in midair, she twisted her body and launched herself at the drone. With a burst of energy, she stuck her fist into the mushy bloom's soft underbelly. That never gets old. Her hand instantly became covered with gelatinous mucus. She yanked it out and wiped the sticky goop on her jumpsuit pants. All the mushy bloom drones pulled back, shocked. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw Hut Popa use one of his long tentacles to snatch a boiling beaker of viscous liquid from the table. He hurled it at asteroid Annie. Annie! Annie, look out! Huh? She said, trying to unstick her hand from her suit. Hut Popa just chucked a beaker at you! Oh, crap! Not, not the copper-colored one, is it? No. If I had to describe it, I'd say it's more like the color of sea mist stirred up by grasshopper pebbles and clumps of scrub brush. Just in the nick of time, Asteroid Annie freed her hand and made an eep sound and tucked and rolled. Come on! We bolted for the door. I hugged the jar close. Outside, the marsh was alive with the sound of night and the gentle crash and rush of swamp waves. The moon was bigger than I'd ever seen it before, and the water was the richest green imaginable. If we weren't running for our lives, it might be what you call romantic. We waded through the uneven morass, looking for where Annie had parked her hover car. Along the way, we spooked the lazy turtles who all flipped right side up and disappeared under the surface. The Mushy Bloom were quick to follow us out. Within seconds, they were everywhere, even more than before. There was nowhere to escape. We stopped. Suddenly, Hut Popa's looming, drippy figure rose up from the marsh not far from where we stood. Annie rested a hand on my shoulder. Remember our promise. She tapped the jar. Next, she plunged her arm down into the thick mud below the water. Seconds later, a loud pop echoed through the swamp as a thin column of silver steam shot 30 feet into the air. Within a blink of an eye, the water rose a little, reached up and swallowed both my rescuer and Hut Popa whole. They were gone. She was gone. There were swarms of drone blooms, all of them smacking and taunting me with their tongue-like tentacles. I stumbled. What was happening? I held tight to the jar, trying to remember the three rules Annie had spelled out earlier, when one of the mushy bloom came chomping at me with its toothy tentacles. It sliced my shoulder in several places. 
But that was just it. This was nothing new for a mushy bloom. They'd torn me apart and devoured me a hundred times over. Nothing was different. I was always put back together again. Number one! Shake jar! Number two! Open jar! I held it above my head as the shiny seeds swirled and danced, filling the air with a sweet musky scent that almost knocked me over. Suddenly, a huge burst of energy flew through me, hitting me in the chest and launching me upwards in the air. I opened my mouth wide and sucked the contents of the jar into my stomach, just as my heart was being ripped out of my chest. My eyes burned as fire flowed through my veins. In my head, I saw the future of the universe spread before me, brighter and bolder, and fizzing with colors. For an infinite amount of seconds, hours or possibly days, the entire universe hung suspended in a sparkling web. I wanted to draw upon this knowledge stored away somewhere in my brain that would unlock an idea as to who or what to destroy next. Then I tasted the rainbow. All the mushy blooms stopped and looked at me with the same curious expression of awe they used to get when they thought I was a monster. They knew me, and they couldn't help but watch how their very existence was made up of me. For a moment I felt weightless. I felt like my body was no more substantial than an orb, like I was no longer bound to a single space and time in a specific form. I sneezed. The metallic seeds scattered and attached to every single mushy bloom. Then they changed. Their hue went from flesh tones of pink or purple and was now dimming to an eerie shade of green. A few of them puked their guts out, literally. Then at once they began to shrivel and die almost immediately, dropping from the sky and splashing into the water below. Within minutes, only black, empty shells remained. Wow! That was amazing! Said Annie, sloshing up next to me. She was completely covered from head to toe in muck. She always seemed happier that way. I couldn't help but notice the tizzle blast stuffed in her belly pocket, the chain cut, dangling like a tail. I just have one question, I said. What's that? Why couldn't you release the seeds yourself? Why did it have to be me? Because this is one of those times when you had to do things the hard way. What does that even mean? It means sometimes the best way is simply doing it the hard way. Unanticipated benefits come later. What? It was a test. What kind of test? A test of your character in extreme conditions. You had to decide for yourself whether you can hold true and endure everything this planet can throw at you. She started wading back to her lab hideaway. I followed. Everything was glowing moon blue in the dark. The flip marsh turtles had already returned and were swishing lazily, peacefully, deftly avoiding the hundreds of fast-riding mushy bloom carcasses. We reached the shore, both of us drenched in mire. One last look over my shoulder at what we'd later refer to as the mission of the marsh. 
The dead mushy bloom bodies all look like bone cups now. Skin hanging, exposing the eggs inside, shiny and glistening like obsidian, every one of them thumping with life. Now you can leave if you want, or you can stay and help me close out this chapter and start a new one. I hesitated, trying to find the right words. Your choice, not mine. I gazed deep into her eyes, the color of a windswept forest. I made a decision, the only one there was to make. I choose to help, I said. She smiled, reached out and took my hand. Me too, pal, me too. As she led me back to her space lab, I checked my watch again. Almost the witching hour. Time for both of us to take a break from this world and ready ourselves for tomorrow. It would be a good night. If you enjoyed listening to this episode of the Uncanny Robot Podcast, let us know. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Please support this show and all our other shows by donating, subscribing, leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, or spreading the word on social media. I'm Rich Pav. And I'm Teresa Matsura. UncannyRobotPodcast.com has trigger warnings, transcripts of all episodes, information on how to contact us, and ways to support the show financially. And also remember, if you're missing, keep looking.